Welcome to That's My Biz, featuring two fly moms who are about their biz. Join me, Pamela, and my homegirl, Ginger, as we share the crazy ins and outs of juggling life, motherhood, relationships, entrepreneurship, and all that in between. Make sure to check in with us every Tuesday for a new episode and follow on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a beat. Welcome to another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your man, Big Cliff, coming to you as always on Apple Podcasts and wherever your podcasts are available. We are excited to have you in here. Make sure you go out and follow us on Instagram at Carolina Sports Talk. And as always, you can hit us up on the Sports Talk line, Cliff at Carolina Sports Talk. Dot net. I am excited. I got a big show for you guys today. I've got my homeboy, my brother, back on the way with me. Give it up for DJ Highstar. Yo, what's going on, y'all, man? DJ Highstar in the building, a.k.a. Brett Stars, man. But y'all know what it is. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Now, y'all too kind. Seriously, y'all too kind. <laughs> too kind. And if, I was, if that was enough for me to bring out the... Jamaican accent or whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> Listen, brother, when you're here on the show, all you're more right, than welcome. Right. You know what all I right, say, right, brother. All right, all right. Yeah, man, we got a lot to get to today, man. So let's just go ahead and jump in our first topic today. We're going to get started with some college basketball. Right here in the heart of the Carolinas, bro, we got a team making a whole bunch of noise on the national market. The Winthrop University Eagles, man, they have gone head on and wrapped up the Big South Tournament, and they are primed to make some noise in the NCAA Tournament. Pat Kelsey has got a team at a record of 22-1 and with their one loss coming by a whopping two points, man. And they, they've just been playing some impressive ball. And as I mentioned, I think they're really primed for the big dance. Uh, but this Saturday, they, or excuse me, this Sunday, they wrapped up the Big South Tournament knocking off the third seeded Campbell by a score of 80 to 53. It wasn't even really a close game, but these guys are going to be some noise. Currently they're being projected as a 12 or 13 seed in the big tournament. Um, and we know how those seeds typically do. Um, even Winthrop, when they're in the big dance back in 2007, they knocked off Notre Dame. Um, they were behind by 20 points um, and they ended up coming back and knocking it off. So, what do you think about Winthrop um, so far this season with this 22-1 and record and just what their chances are going to be in the big dance? Well, with Winthrop in general, um, alluding back to that 2007 appearance in the big dance, they've kind of made their stamp and, and been the prestige of the Big South for, you know, more than more than a decade now. And it's kudos to the, to the, um, to the system there and the, the organization, you know, the athletic department, because – uh, they keep they continue to get high recruits from both South and North Carolina come there and perform, and uh, us both having roots down in Charleston, uh, College of Charleston, and Big South basketball is something that I've always watched growing up. So it's, it's good and refreshing to see Winthrop kind of consistently at the top of the Big South and always in the talk to the Big Dance because whenever the Big Dance comes around, you always want to see a familiar face to that you root for as an underdog you know, in those, in those early rounds. Absolutely. And they've got all the star power, uh, as you mentioned, just recruiting here in the Carolinas, but even their national footprint, footprint with coach Kelsey and his roots in Kansas and, and out in the Midwest, the the star player, the six, seven forward from Ohio, Chandler Vaudrin is a monster. He's literally a threat for a triple double every night that he steps on the court. Um, the sophomore has three of them this season and so far four for his career. Um, even as a big man, his court vision just makes you want to watch him play. And so they, they seem to be fully loaded with, with at every position and just with the star power, as I mentioned, to really make some noise and be a good, just a good story overall for the Carolinas heading into March 
Madness. So we definitely want to keep an eye on them for what they're going to be doing moving forward. And, and just Shout we out wish... to the Winter Beagles. Yeah, exactly. Winter Beagles, stand up. We see you out here. Rock Hill, let's go. Um, let's go ahead and stay in college basketball and move up the road a little piece to the Duke. Tobacco Road, that is. The t- exactly. Going on up down the Tobacco Road and, and, and hear about this North Carolina Duke game. We know that this season hasn't been the most um, beautiful season for either program with Duke actually failing, falling to UNC this weekend and securing their 9-9 regular season record. But um, the historic blowout of the Duke, Duke Blue Devils puts a kind of strange bow on a strange season. We, we know that Duke started off with that big slump, losing eight in a row at one point. We also know that they their you know star player sat out the rest of the season. At that time when he sat out, it seemed like they were starting to play a little bit better ball, but – you know, at the end of the day, they were playing the Tar Heels. So, you know what I'm saying? Right. We, 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 we're not going to dabble into it, both of us being, you know, Tar Heel fans. We're not going to rub it in on you Duke losers or anything like that. No, I'm just saying. But, yeah, the collision between North Carolina and Duke, um, when it's at its worst, can even predict, produce some good games. This one was a little bit different with the 91-73 to UNC win that was actually the biggest margin of victory for either team since 2012 and the biggest for the home team at the Smith Center since 1998 when both of the teams were actually ranked one and two respectively, unlike, like I said, this kind of lackluster season. Uh, The win does keep North Carolina in contention for uh, a potential at-large bid. I mean, the name Tar Heels does mean something. So with this win, what do you think are the chances for the Tar Heels to make it to the big dance? I mean, to your point just now, uh, the name itself so is very valuable and holds a lot of weight. And every year, um, regardless of either record, that game, it, you know, it, it commands national attention. Um, it brings the best out of both teams. So I think whenever it comes to, like, Selection Sundays and stuff like that, that game is heavily weighted as far as the performance of either, you know, team. Uh, so that's something that a lot of the, the analysts and, and people will be looking at um, on selection. What is it? Selection Sunday, right? Yeah. Oh, and I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, and, and, they, so, um, and they've got a little bit of work, possibly, if they can, I think if they can get into the tournament, the ACC tournament, and win two games, I, I think that that would go, like you said, this win, having swept Duke over the series, their competitive play against Virginia a couple of weeks back, um, if we can sneak two in there, I think would be a good look and a good chance for the Tar Heels. Right. Um, with it being it's a always down about game. a season resume, and um, we're so used to. I think we've been um, romanticized with undefeated teams and stuff coming up, uh, whether it's college football or basketball. But overall, especially with with the big dance, it's always about a resume. Whenever it's not the top seed, you know, and building that resume up. Part of building that resume is defeating Duke. And the fact that y'all did that twice, you know what I'm saying, it speaks so speak volumes. And then to your point, if we can make some noise in the tournament, possibly get to a semifinal or championship, that's going to say a lot to the program. Yeah. And, 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 and at the end of the day, March Madness is so much better with the big names there. Um, it's, everybody Absolutely. wants to root for the, for the underdog. But at the end of the day, you want to see – your Dukes, you want to see your Chapel Hills, your UNCLA's, your Texas, your Kentuckys, even in Kentucky's, like with the SEC. I mean, you want to see the big dogs out there in the dance. And so this year is a little bit off, but it should, if nothing else, it should definitely be competitive. I know a lot of the teams um, are hungry. Virginia was really looking forward to coming back next last year uh, and, and trying to defend their title, and, and, and we're just looking at – the effects of COVID and how that's, you know, pushed a lot of teams, a lot of seniors back and just their overall classes. And so we, we just hope that it's a competitive field. Um, ACC tournament first off, first and foremost, because who knows if we make it in, we might go ahead and get a, get on a nice little run and win the ACC. Not likely, but <laughs> it, it, we'll, we'll check it out and see what they got going on, man. So we, again, wish the, wish the best of luck to the Tar Heels. We're going to keep it in the basketball, but move on up to the pro level. This past weekend was NBA All-Star Weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, before we get to the sports component of this, Atlanta, I hope y'all was wearing y'all masks. I'm just trying to tell you, COVID's still real out here in these streets. Y'all, if y'all going out, wear your masks. 
and just yeah i'm gonna leave that right there <laughs> but all-star weekend was one of my favorite ones we knew it was a truncated event and everything was being held during a one day but um I, I had a blast watching it, man. Um, I'm going to let you start off, though, with the skills competition. What was your takeaway from seeing the Pacers big man uh, win the Taco Bell skills challenge? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, first thought on the All-Star game overall, man, I do appreciate the, you know, recognition and acknowledgement to HBCUs and stuff, the, uh, the time that they took to spend on that and the light that they shined on that. That was cool. Um but in, in addition to that, um, like you said, it was a truncated and a different look this year to the All-Star Weekend, which kind of, I mean, we'll get to all of the events, but I was definitely a fan of this year. I, you don't Thanks. realize how much you don't need certain time or space or, you know, things until, it, until you're forced to do it. And, you know, of course, it's a money grab. Exactly. You know, spreading out the events through three different days, but packing, jam packing it on one day, like I said, with the exception of a couple of events, we'll get to each of the events in a second, um, is, is a great idea. I think it went pretty smoothly. Um, you, you know what it put me in the yeah, mind, though? It put, right. it put me in the mind of the NFL draft and, uh, from last year and, right. and how much more I enjoyed that than the actual pomp and circumstance of them walking across the stage and grabbing him and hugging him. I think the format for that flowed having to do everything through Zoom and, and just having the opportunity to see the coaches and the GMs and all different war rooms, not just in their war rooms, but a lot of them in their home. Uh, and for those right. of you who may not remember last year during um, the lockdown from COVID-19, they still put on the NBA draft, the NFL draft and everything was done virtually. And so, with the similarly this year originally not having the NBA All-Star Weekend as a plan, and then they come back and saying, hey, no, we are going to put it on, and we're going to have it in Atlanta. Um, even though it was, as you mentioned, truncated, it had a much better flow for me as well, so I thoroughly enjoyed it. Right. So and so to the skills challenge, the thing is, outside of the hip-hop two-on-two thing that they did on Saturday, which was kind of embarrassing and has established, <laughs> you know, three-pointers, whatever, that was embarrassing, but outside of that, pardon me, the skills challenge was the opening act. Mm-hmm. Um, that was after after everyone heard all of the news about oh, you know, all of the events in one day and stuff like that. Skills challenge is really the the first thing that people was going to be able to see as far as action. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the players that um, that participated. Um, we're not prepared energy-wise to perform. Um, so you had the Chris Pauls of the world, um, Robert Covingtons of the world, mm-hmm. who really spoiled their shot on the first pass that passed through the through the circle. Right, and that's something that everyone was talking about prior to the Wayne Wade and all of the commentators included. But that first pass after the first little dribbling, of course, and the circle got a lot of people. And Sabonis um, and the other big man. Uh, Julius Randle? No, 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 no. Oh, Vucevic. Uh, right, Vucevic. Um, they both, they weren't missing those, those that first pass, you know, into that circle. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, when they actually showed up, showed down, had their showdown, the thing that it came down to with them was um, was the last three pointer. And forgive me for what I said earlier. Chris Paul actually he fumbled at his layup, so he didn't mess up with his pass at all. But he fumbled at his layup. Right. Julius Randle, Chris Paul, uh, Robert Covington, a couple of the guys that were um, it could be perceived that they were kind of um, dogging. I don't know, you know. Yeah. Well, let me ask cool, you a question. Cool, cool as well, they were cool as well. Too cool. Yeah, and let me ask you this question. Um, we we know that the league has gone away from the traditional big man, and I'm doing the air quotes. Um, but the skilled big man is an asset in a lot of different team for a lot of different teams throughout the league. Uh, in fact, it is evidence throughout this exact skills challenge. Since they opened up the competition in 2016, uh, four of the six winners have been big men. Um, both this year with Sabonis winning, Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Chris Tapps Porzingis and Bam Adebayo being former big men's uh, challenge, uh, big men skilled champs. 
So with that, do you think that the big man has, uh, again, air quote, gone from the current NBA, or has he just morphed into some of these guys who've got that soft touch, who can shoot a, a relatively good? Christoph Persing is probably the best out of those, but who can still shoot the three and stretch the floor and, and, and just kind of be in a, a more hybrid role. What are your thoughts? What do you think? Well, when you take a look at guys like DeAndre Ayton in the face mm-hmm. or DeMarcus Cousins in the face, mm-hmm. the big man not going nowhere. Is that 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 angry, intimidating factor of the big man of down inside or whatever in the post? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they got plenty of the young cats that look just as mean as the Charles Oakley's of the world and all of that. So the big man not going nowhere. However, when it comes to different events like this that they started to open up, that's an open floor thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I noticed the only time where it's in and out on a um, – we used to call it karaoke in, in, in football. Right, right, But, right. you know, that in and out is that first time up the court. You think about it, a big man looks or appears slow, but so does like a giraffe or something like that because they have longer legs, right. taller strides, less steps to get to that last three-point shot. So what I noticed was – Guards like a Chris Paul or maybe even a Luca, whoever was involved in that skills competition, after they made their layup, they're pushing the ball. They're trying to get up. And within three steps, a big man is stepping into his three-pointer. And And so, you know, a lot of these big men that had that, and don't get me wrong, the height, like they weren't allowed to coaching-wise, I think, back in the day, you know, early 2000s, mid-2000s, really, before the Europeans and dirt and stuff like that started spreading the floor a little bit more. And then the bonus is father, even Arvidas. Mm-hmm. But the height always, I think, gave a big man an advantage on their jump shot, on their long range jump shot. I, I, you know, I think in practice, you probably would see like, you know, the Shaqs of the world or Hakeem, Olajuwon's of the world draining three pointers like it ain't nothing. You right. know what I mean? But, but now they're doing it in the game. Like that. Right, where the, where the plays are set up and the offense is designed to they can get off a three-pointer or whatever like that. But that part of their game, I think any professional big man or a lot of professional big men that at least got a handle, I think they got a shot as well. You know, a jumper. Okay. Yeah, so I'm 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 loving it. You know what I'm saying? Me being big Cliff and everything, I'm going to get a love to the big guys. So shout out to them. Uh, for, for yeah, they did their thing. Yeah, definitely. That took us down from the skills contest to the three-point contest. The yes, Mountain Dew triple threat, the three-point. Listen, Cliff, Big Cliff, <laughs> I don't even gamble like that. Uh-huh. I was in the shed, you know, a spot that I, I DJ at regularly, and okay. we was watching it. Um, and I knew – I just, just, it was, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But no, no, no. You in it now. Go ahead. You in it now. It's just the, the look on, I think, first of all, the setup, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm, if I am Wardell, I'm not going before any of y'all. I'm not going before <laughs> any of y'all. So the setup was perfect. And then the, his first round performance pretty much was like, all right, now all y'all nervous. Right. Literally, when he went in, first of all, he was a replacement, um, last minute, late in uh, addition, injury replacement in both the contest and the game for Devin Booker, who we know suffered a knee injury last week. Um, but and like you said, and and he had to he had to set that standard, and when he did, he made the rest of them boys think, man, how bad I really want this thing. <laughs> he had them shook. If I'm not mistaken, Jason Tatum was the first one to shoot after he had put up his first round score and at that point it was just like yo somebody hold my balls real quick bro pause exactly like they he had them shook man like them boys didn't want nothing with him mike conley in the in the final did try to push him a little bit when mike conley put up that uh 27 it was like yo i don't know it's kind of interesting and steph and and True Steph. I wanted to show some respect to mike conley real quick because in the first round and the second round he performed Mm -hmm. you know he did his thing in both rounds. 
Yeah, and, and and shout out to Mike, man. This is actually his first uh, All Star appearance, man. After being drafted fourth in two thousand seven out of Ohio State this year, he is averaging sixteen point one points per game and five point seven as, uh, assists per game as well. So, shout out to Mister Mike Conley of the Utah Jazz for first of all being an All Star, second coming in this contest and really holding your own, man, and pushing the legend. Now, I, I hear people arguing, I hear people fussing. Really, I ain't really too much caring nothing about what they're talking about because there is there should be no argument that Steph the Chef Curry is the best shooter in the history of the National Bas- National Basketball Association. Am I wrong? No arguments over here. I'm, right now, I'm really trying to think about some of the other competitors in the competition outside of Jason. Jason Tatum let me down, um, even though even though the whole time I'm going for Wardell. But I want to see good performances. I, oh, Donovan Mitchell performed correct. He yeah. kind of let me down as well. Um, but definitely Jason Tatum let me down. It's a lot of those guys that are nice and 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 lethal off of the dribble, mm-hmm. but picking the ball up from the rack and on a repetition type thing, like something that Clay and Steph are kind of designed. Their bodies are like when you see their shooting form, it's like they're designed to do that. You know, like that's uh, you know what I mean. But um, yeah, a lot of those guys that are used to having the ball in their hand a lot and handling the ball didn't, didn't fare well um, in the contest. Yeah, and as you mentioned, some of these guys are just built for this. And so, like, Mountain Dew did a little d- different thing this year. The Mountain Dew zone where they had two shots uh, location. Uh, glad for those, you brought this up. Yeah, they Go had a, two deep shot locations positioned uh, between the traditional racks and the top of the three-point arc. Uh, kind of like in the, at the wing position. And essentially it was six feet behind the three-point line. Uh, and it was the little green Mountain Dew ball. And it was worth a special three points um, for that particular shot. What are your thoughts on that? How, how you felt about the extra? I loved it, man. I loved it. I, I like the element it brings. So what, if there were, I don't know if I want to ask you, I want to answer first. But if there were three people, three players that I would trust with both of those shots, um, in, the, in that competition, definitely Steph. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the game in a second. So clearly Dane mm-hmm. and I think Donovan Mitchell. Um, I, I've seen his range. I mean, honorable mention to Dennis Smith Jr. Um, and um, and Buddy Hill. But uh, Donovan Mitchell would be my third guy. I think who who would just three be that you would trust from from those from that that green spot. I think the first one would definitely have to be Steph Curry, automatic. Second would be Dame Dollar because, I mean, the boy has range anywhere on the field. But I'm going to give it my third spot, and we can we can talk on it. I'm going to go Trey Young out of Atlanta, man. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. And I was just now about – because I, I, I think I spoke too fast at giving my honorable mentions away too. But Trey, I'm not mad at that. And I, I'm going to give the big men some love. Chris Stapp. Um, Chris Yeah, I'll, I'll give Chris that that as well, just because just how he gives it up. Yeah, so, man. Yeah. Like, Trey Young, if he, could, if he could be more consistent, man, he could be the next reincarnation of a Steph Curry. But in a lot of ways that a lot of people don't give up the respect to Kobe for saying, oh, he's a reiteration of Jordan. He's Jordan 2.0. Yeah. Um, Trey Young, man, that, 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 that boy, dangerous. He got yeah, range he got stepping it. out of his car in the parking lot. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. but th- like I said, that that consistency for him is going to be the thing, man. Because um, just as soon as he can shoot it from the parking lot and and be all net, he can be on the line <laughs> and give you an air ball, man. So you know, we'll we'll see how much more consistent he can be. But once again, shout out to the Carolina kid, repping Charlotte Panthers fan, my guy, the chef. Mr. Chef Curry for winning the three. Nobody way. does it better, man. Yeah, nobody yeah. does it better. There we go, baby. So that Listen, l- I got a best friend that was always the coolest throughout high school, and Steph reminds me exactly of that dude. Like can't go, can't do nothing wrong, type dude. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Just Christian raised every shot he shooting fall. Like how can you hate that guy, man? How can you hate what <laughs> Listen, you can't hate him as long as he's on your team. <laughs> exactly. Once you start talking trash to you, you can hate him a little bit. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to skip the first half of the game and talk about the game as a whole. But the half, the half, during halftime of the All-Star game, they had the 2021 AT&T Slam Dunk uh, 
tournament game presentation, whatever you want to call it, uh, where the second year guard become became the first trailblazer to win in Mr. Anthony Simons. Um, my, I'm not gonna lie, I watched the whole thing and I've got my thoughts on it. We'll get back to it. Me as um, well. But but I'm gonna tell you that one where he was kissing the rim. I understand why he didn't kiss the rim. I mean, COVID right. and all of that. But my guy was right there and was like, "Mwah!" up on that rim, bro. But he got ups, man. I, I got got to give it to him. I I had honestly never heard of him before this. I'm not even gonna like pretend. But now I feel like I got to go and watch a Blazers game. Now I understand bro. afterwards. I've been going doing some research on him, and he's just getting a lot more burn with CJ McCollum being out. But um, right. Mr. Anthony Simons has got springs for legs, bro. If you see him in his face, he looked like he was born in like 2007. <laughs> you know what I mean? Looking but, like a youngster. Um, yeah. With that, uh, listen, I'll give the unpopular opinion. I I was definitely impressed by the kiss the rim dunk. Okay. But I'm gonna just give the unpopular opinion, man. Go for it. I it's not it's not it wasn't COVID why niggas didn't you know what I mean catch that. Of course it was the velocity <laughs> that you go in and stuff like that, and of course you not you don't want to injure something or whatever like that. Don't get me wrong, but if had this been two thousand or two thousand one, mm-hmm. and that was T Mac or Vince Carter, and I don't want to sound like that old dude, you know. Get I don't want to sound like him exactly. <laughs> but you know, listen, those guys was reckless back then. So yeah. even if even if Vince got a hold on to the rim. Or bring yourself up while he, I don't know, but it, listen, I, I'm I'm impressed. I'm definitely impressed about the the height because with his first dunk, that that displayed his springs as well. So I'm impressed with. Yeah, and for those of you who missed his first dunk, uh, for his first dunk, he came and jumped up high enough. He had like a mini basketball hoop uh, that looked to be about maybe a foot or so off of the top of the back uh, the top of the rim but stuck onto the backboard and he elevated to grab it from from the top of the backboard and then dunk it in so yeah my man had springs in his legs yo like for real exactly bro exactly and that's what you know with him he displayed that but with our um our first contestant the one that went before ob Toppin. mm-hmm Forgive me and, and help me. You know, I'm sorry I'm forgetting your name, young brother. But you, you, my friend, you arrived. Cassius Stanley. As far as your first. Oh, Cassius, right. Cassius Stanley, who um, Kenny Smith called Cassius Clay. <laughs> <laughs> called him Cassius Clay. And Shaq caught that. Shout out to Shaq, because that's something I would catch. But yeah, Cassius Stanley, I think he, on his first, first dunk, the way that he did it so easily, he got robbed on his score which kind of set him back for the rest of the tournament, mm-hmm. which was which was unfortunate because he had a lot, you know, I think in store or whatnot. He, he dunked that first one way too easily. He had a lot in store. I can tell he had a lot of energy left and that he was ready to show up. I, I 1,000% agree. When they gave him the scores, I was like, ooh, they robbed so bro it, just it, now. Yeah, if, it, and if you do that, then just, all right, remain tough throughout the first round then. Exactly, which is exactly what I thought they were going to do because one of the commentators even made the mention to say, oh, they're starting off low. Well, maybe they want to give room for for growth. But then Obi Toppin came in with his next with his first dunk, which was good, but I didn't nice. feel like it was better than Cassius's. And so right. um, I, I, don't, I don't know what they got against Indiana or what Mr. Stanley has done to them, but yeah, he definitely got robbed. And as you mentioned, that literally deflated him. He At that point, he was just like, Yo, they're they're not. That's not fair. That's not equal. There's no way that I'm gonna be able to come back from this. And so it just kind of seemed like at that point he just went ahead and just kind of did he a hug dunk. Yeah, it just kind of deflated him and took him out. So Cassius Stanley, come back next year, 2022. We need to see you in the All Star game and in the dunk contest. And judges, whomever you may be, judge that man properly. Give him his props, bro. Because young young bro had a high devil of difficulty. But he don't want to get Aaron Gordon though. He don't want to get Aaron Gordon. You don't think so? Yeah. I don't think he's going to. Yeah, see. it was probably a bad taste that is left in his mouth this year, certainly. Okay. Favorite dunk overall from all of the dunks this year in the contest? Cassius' first one, honestly, was one of my favorites. Okay. Um, OB's first dunk was one of my favorites. 
so those those Obi's first dunk was my second favorite, and and honestly speaking, Cassius Stanley's first dunk just mm-hmm. because it was the first attempt. It was with ease, and he flushed it. Mm-hmm. I was like, those type of dunks, when it goes live, your your emotions are live. You go, oh, instead of a dunk where it's the second or third attempt where you can know where to, what to anticipate. All right, he about to hit it now. Nah, he just flushed it on the first dunk, and I was like, you know, that that got me, you know, wow. But also, um, the honorable mention, of course, again, I'll, I'll be remiss, that kiss in the rim dunk, just the concept of that. Right. Dunk, and then the subtlety whenever because he knew in live action is going so fast that everybody wouldn't catch it. So when he landed, the mm-hmm. subtlety of him throwing the kiss or a step kiss or whatever, so that people could start thinking what was dunk. That exactly. was that was dope in itself. Um, the, the one thing about this dunk competition, though, if you know again, if it's worth fifth, we'd all be right. you know <laughs> tore down, but. Had I or if I had any kind of control over the weekend, I'm putting, I'm transposing the three-point contest and the slam dunk competition, and here's why. The three-point contest to me is more controlled with time mm-hmm. as far as time itself because there's a timer on the on the, the shooters. Mm-hmm. There's a time that you can kind of stick to. With the dunk competition, there's your attempt. You know, there's, you know, stuff can just go any which way whenever it comes to time. So it can end up being a very short event or it can end up being a long event. And I wouldn't want that uncertainty whenever it comes to a halftime. Right. Which is why I would put either the skills competition or the three-point challenge in place of the slam dunk competition and have the slam dunk possibly just at the beginning of the of the competition. So well, let me ask you this. Do you think that they are going to – keep it as a one day event next year. Uh, God prayed COVID be gone. Do you, do you think they're going to keep it in the current format or do you think they'll, it'll be, it'll be tough. And here's why the legends are the legends in the league, mm-hmm. but the all-stars also carry the brand. So right. there's a tier underneath the legends right now of young players that are going to be all-stars, whether we like it or not, because these older players are retiring. So, as they come up and they're carrying the all-star game and the all-star weekend, those multiple events will take away from that main event, I believe, ultimately. If, see, there was once a time where you're going to have the best and the brightest participating in maybe three of those competitions that weekend. Right. You know what I mean? So if that, if that tradition comes back or continues or gets revitalized, then... I pray that they would kind of keep it at least to two days. Maybe not Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but Saturday, Sunday, definitely. Have some kind of skills comp, celebrity jam or something like that on Saturday. Keep everybody in, engaged. But that three-point and the slam dunk competition, those participants, mm-hmm. people don't understand how much endurance, how much you know energy that that takes out of you to go through a three-point competition or a slam dunk competition contest. Yeah, and, and and along those lines, um, Steph did it though, and, and I will say absolutely, and um, then showed out to the game, and and that's a perfect segue to just go ahead but and jump into though. the game. He's different. He is absolutely not the average. But if you mentioned, if you think about it, the way you said, you're either going to be at, if if you're in an all star, you're either at the position to be one of those legends who's you know getting the nod because of your your total body of work. Or you're gonna be one of these high flyer, high energy one young guns. Young. Um, yeah, future superstar potential type. Exactly. So with either one of those types of players, you should be at a level to go ahead and go out there and, and perform, um, and then turn around and play in the game at a high level as well. And just before we get over but into this that, this is the age that we're talking about load management as well. Yeah, but then you got this is the age that that's a turn. <laughs> you got your Kawhis of the world who no, I'm going to sit and go ahead on the rest this week so don't look for me these four games or this is also the age of all-stars getting a scratch because of a sprained elbow off my off arm not my shooting arm you know or right. light, light things that are to rest my pinky finger from my off hand dressing out yeah exactly so, <laughs> but you're absolutely correct this is also the age that we've never seen LeBron participate in a you know, so, like the commentators were joking around, <laughs> but 
there's certain dunks that LeBron or Zach Levine or somebody will do or Blake will still do in a layup line that's crushing some of these. Yes. (laughs) Yes. They're doing them in the lit, bro. Why LeBron has never been in a slam dunk contest is beyond me, bro. But, you know. Does that take a tink off his armor? Like, the same way that Drake, if we say Drake doesn't write, he can't be considered one of the, does that take a tink Mm -hmm. off of LeBron's armor? Because there was a fearlessness that Jordan or these cats, Kobe, yeah, I want everything. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to eat. I'm taking everything from everybody. Yeah, yeah. That Mamba mentality, you know what I mean? So what do you think? Does that take anything from his legacy? Here's why Big Cliff is the wrong person to ask that question. And you rocking with Big Cliff and DJ Highstar, you know what I'm saying? Carolina Sports Talk. Hit us up on the email, cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. Follow us on IG, Carolina Sports Talk. Like, comment, and subscribe. You already know. But, yeah, here's why I'm the wrong one to ask about that, bro. I am not a LeBron fan. I am a Lakers fan, and as such. You're the right one to ask. You know what I mean? I'm going I'm I'm a rock with the dude as long as he winning my team championships. But until he signed with us, until halfway in his first season, I did not like Mr. Lebanon James as uh, some of the old folks would call him. Uh I I just I'm, I wasn't a fan of his. And so a lot of stuff that he does has chinked his armor for me and, and which is why he'll never be the greatest. I respect that he's the probably the greatest athlete to have ever played in the NBA. Physically, he is a specimen. Uh, and in his latter years, he's gotten uh, um, to become a much better and more cerebral basketball player, both with his shooting ability, with his court vision, with leadership. his decision-making, leadership, the whole nine. I respect everything that he's done off the field, uh, excuse me, off the court, but he is not the greatest basketball player. He's not even, for me, going to end up in the top five. Well, he might be top five. He's not top three. So, like, I respect if I, it. If I- but, yeah, I was gonna say if I did a call back to last week's episode, or was that that was last week, right? Um, where you kind of alluded to LeBron not being as skilled as Oh yeah, when we had the crossover okay, okay, with okay. Yeah. Right. Shout out to the crossover episode as well, last week's episode. But that was kind of you you kind of showed your hand you just kinda of showed your hand in that episode. Listen, I make no bonds about it, bro. Like LeBron's for the first several years of his career played bully ball this man would just come speeding down and because he was one of the fastest biggest things on the court he was a more athletic zion williamson and 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 and, and that's why he had the same they had a similar hype coming out of high school they had the same hype when zion went to his few year at duke um and, and even lebron's rookie year because they're as big as they are they're not supposed to be that fast as big as they are they're not supposed to be um, mm-hmm. swift and able to make some of the things and jump like they do. But for the first Absolutely. several years, he was an athlete. He was a bully, and that's all he did. So, quick response to last week's podcast. Mm-hmm. Just want to say, because they had a couple questions for you, had you on the hot seat. Just wanted to say, <laughs> LeBron's perimeter defense, nowhere near Kobe. However, also, mm. when we talk about scoring. Say it again. Say it again. When we talk about scoring in context of everything, there's a difference in being drafted to a team where they're expecting and depending on you to be the mm-hmm. face of the franchise from day one versus a Kobe Bryant where he steps into showtime and has to prove himself to get playing time after his first three years of being in the league and waiting on the bench. There is a difference. But You're preaching. I just want to make that response You're preaching. because y'all had such a great show last week <laughs> and I, I really wanted to be right there with y'all like, you know what I'm saying, on the panel. But <laughs> bro, before you go on, bro, for that point yeah. alone, I understand why I'm going to check the Carolina Sports Talk email and people going to be like, we want high star. High star, high star, high star. You know, <laughs> try to bring every kind of, you know, all Let's the go. objectivity. But if we brought it full circle back to the all-star game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, this is probably maybe what, third, fourth year-ish, it seems like, in this format with the picking the squads and then also with the quarters. Um, explain to me a little bit, if you could, Big Cliff, that whole fourth-quarter skunk rule. What's your thoughts on the, the four quarters itself? Um, and Fabulous missing his three-point shot, but they still gave, like, 50 grand to the UNCF. Like, what's up, man? Go ahead, please, bro. 
So essentially the way it works, each quarter would be a standard 12-minute quarter, but start with a 0-0 score. Um, and so the winner of each individual corner quarter would win a certain amount of money towards their scholarship. So if at the end of the first quarter it was 15 to 12, then that would be the winner of whoever had to, whoever had 15 won that quarter. They still take and have a cumulative score to go towards the fourth quarter. Um, and so the uh, the way that it works for is... The record, for the record, that's a small star game. That's not an all-star game that they got 15 <laughs> Yeah, small the all-star star game. game is more like 49 to 63 after right. one quarters, but um, but you, you get the point. So whomever wins each quarter gets a certain amount of money donated to their scholarship fund. But then at the end, what they do is whatever the high score is at the end, they started doing it ever since um, last year, as a matter of fact, the 2020 season, uh, to incorporate the 24-point target as a way to honor Kobe Bryant. And so they take whatever is the high score at the end of the third quarter, add 24 to that, and then have an untimed quarter. So let's say if the team that was up by 50 at that point had to get to 24 more and didn't score any more, the other team could essentially come back to make it a bit more competitive. But if it's tied, then the final score is whomever gets to 24 at that point. So it essentially creates a cumulative game by having the individual quarter games and then the final competitive um, quarter and in, in mini game as well so what's the target score was that way you don't give up on the in the first quarter or two if you got dragged the first quarter you don't give up exactly because you have opportunities to win each quarter money for your given charity so absolutely um i know since as i mentioned last year was the first year that they did it partly to honor kobe partly to you know do something different um but it, it, it was a blast, man. I enjoyed it. And this year, the game was incredibly entertaining. Team LeBron came to play, bro. Um, I was just thoroughly impressed. Talk about it. Bro, I was thoroughly impressed in the game and just the energy that LeBron came out with. Even when he sat and said, all right, y'all, y'all boys got it, man. I got a championship to win this year. <laughs> I'm going to go sit on down here on this bench. But the guards came out to play. I think my favorite – this – there was a stretch of three plays that was my favorite stretch of three plays that really made the game one of my favorite games in All-Star history. It started off with Mr. Dame Dollar himself catching a lob pass and just yamming that ball in. The very mm -hmm. next play down the court, bro, he goes and he throws an alley-oop to Mr. Steph Curry, who with his six-foot-three self, bang! Jump. He flushes it, he flushes and, it and hangs on the rim real disrespectfully, dog. And, dog, I loved it, bro. Shout out to Christopher Dickey. But, now, dog did that. And then in the very next play, Chef Curry himself sees the opportunity to give a little retribution and throws an alley-oop to an aging six foot three Chris Paul who got up and burly dunked it in himself. But he got it in there, though. Because, listen, he's maybe a year younger than me, and uh, I'm not dunking nothing no more, not even coffee because I don't drink it. But, nah, shout-out to them boys, man, to the guards so, getting up and playing this big That night. was a, definitely a beautiful sequence. Mm -hmm. And my sequence, which you probably – because I can't take your sequence, which was mine. <laughs> um, and I didn't, I didn't realize Dane caught one right before Seth did. I didn't realize that. Right before was the very play. Was his a layup or a dunk? His, his his was a dunk and it was an alley and he just boom banged from the same so, side. All three came from the uh, the right side of the rim too. Right. So my sequence would would have to have been then. Dame comes down a little bit, maybe arguably right at the half court line, a little bit behind it. Uh huh. Straight vertically, just lifts up like he's taking a regular elbow jump shot. Smash, and I believe he attempted it to play before. I believe. Mm -hmm. Knocks it down. Fine, like it's nothing. They come back up the court. Steph Curry then follows up right inside the half court line. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Logo, Lillard, and Signature Steph, Chef, and both of them knock down these 40, 50 foot jumpers like it's, you know, practice or like it's a free throw. L literally, like with very little effort. These boys was knocking stuff down, man. And the crazy part about it, bro, is that neither one of them even had the best game of any of the or players. The, MVP. Man. the right. MVP was Mr. Giannis Antetokounmpo 
who, who just balled out shooting 16 for 16 for 35 points and three for three from beyond the three-point stripes, man. Like It's the most baskets in the history of the All-Star game without a miss, man. And my boy, you could tell he was hungry, man. The same way he came out aggressively last year, he, he came out with some defense. He came out with some aggression. And really, really, man, just he, he wanted an MVP and he wasn't going to stop for it. So shout-out to the Greek freak, man, and, and having that game. But as I mentioned, Curry and Lillard both went just bananas as well. Curry chipped in 28 points. Dame had 32, um, and as I mentioned, LeBron spent most of the night admiring his drafting skills, man. I heard one of the commentators saying— Where was KD the whole night? Injured, bro. And so okay, even though it was, it was. Yeah, okay. even though um, it was one of his—it was, quote-unquote, his team, um, they said, if you're injured, you don't even pull up out here, bro. Just go sit down, which I recommend he do anyway with all these COVID testing and, and, and quarantines that he's been having to go through. So, But, yeah, LeBron only played— um, he played less than 13 minutes and scored four points. Uh, didn't even play at all in the second half. Got a couple half. highlights. Yeah, he munched on the snack on the bench and everything. He did his thing from the beginning, but, you know. Uh, Dame went eight for 16 for three from the three-point, um, as did Curry. So, man, it was a good game. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, man. I mean, well, I'm interested in seeing the half, second half of the season, man. And real quickly. What's up with your bros up in Brooklyn, man? Did they really need to go? I was get? just gonna ask you, what did you think? Who who did you who did you enjoy from Team Durant? Bro, honestly, I just if I had to pick one player, because I mean, most of my favorite players, most of the guys I like in the league, were on Team LeBron. It's like he consulted with me, yeah, or injured, right? Um, but if I had to pick one by one person, it's got to be Kyrie. I never liked him either, but primarily because he was with LeBron. But, I, again, he, I got to respect him. He's got hops. He's got a shot that's out of this world and his handling. Finishing ability. Yeah. He's a floor general, bro. He's the new, upgraded, better shooting version of Chris Paul to me. Um, and so uh, I got to give a shout-out to, to Kyrie, you know what I mean, so, as who is somebody who would be one of the, one of the players. But clearly you might have had your eye on a couple of them fellas, man. What you think? I mean, you know, Donovan, Donovan, he tried to show up. Mm-hmm. Guys Spider like Zach Levine and Julius Randle tried to make their footprint, you know, and, and have their experience be, you know, stamped, if you will. But really, um, big shout out. Of course, James Harden kind of carried and, and did his thing. Zion did his thing here and there. Kawhi as well. But Bradley Bill, Bradley Bill really showed up. Um, he was he was dropping shit, excuse me, dropping shots from everywhere on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Um, so he's, you know, you know, we've always discussed kind of the tier that we feel like Bradley Bill is in, but there's a Bradley Bill appreciation center, if okay. you will. You know what I mean? Shout out to you and your performance during All Star Weekend and in that All Star game. He was dramatic. Kawhi definitely did his thing as well, but Bradley Bill, I'm talking about when we say automatic, we mean automatic with Bradley Bill. Okay. Not missing. Um, but, yeah, all-star game overall. I enjoyed it. Needed a shortened version of it because of the years past and now dull it's been. I think in drug out it's been. So the circumstances forced us to make it a more entertaining all-star game. This year, Absolutely, man. And like you said, shout-out to Bradley Bill. Hey, yo, Washington, man. Y'all go ahead and free that, man. Let him, let, let, let yeah, him go ahead. He's not man. doing nothing over there. Nothing. Hey. And they know it, bro. Let that man go ahead on about his business, man. Kind of how the uh, Pistons did Blake Griffin signing with the Brooklyn Nets. We have to save that one for another show. I guess there's a certain point in your career you got to decide, like, I want my points to mean something. Right. Like, I want my words to mean something to people, Big Cliff. I Mm. want my points to mean something as an athlete. I don't want wasted points, which is what LeBron had early in the script. But go ahead, bro. Nah, you're right. And he's definitely going to see at least some strong potential up there in Brooklyn, man. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there now. Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Nets are going to shock the world in the NBA Finals and lose to the Lakers in six. I'm putting it out there, bro. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> somebody else who has, like, had um, – you may be able to segue over this, but somebody else who has had lost mileage, if you will, is like a Deshaun Watson, if you will. You know what I mean? Mm. In, that, in that football space, you have – lost yardage that wasted yardage if you will 
Absolutely. And that's a perfect segue to our last topic. Money, 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 money. And no, not yet with the uh, Mr. Deshaun Watson, who is coming to the Carolina Panthers. I'm speaking that out there. But no, another quarterback has fallen off of the market. Mr. Dakota Rain Prescott, uh, according to the NFL insider Ian Rappaport, he has reportedly signed a four-year, $160 million deal to stay in Dallas. The deal has a maximum value of $164 million, including $126 guaranteed money, and includes two key details. One, a no-trade clause, and the second, a no-tag provision. Uh, his deal mm. averages $42 million a year over the first three years, including this year. Mr. Dakota Rain Prescott will be making $75 million and a $66 million signing bonus, bro. Mm. Dak Prescott Whoa. just got paid, man. And um, Absolutely. Listen, congratulations to the Dallas Cowboys. Congratulations, you guys, on securing your next three, eight, and eight seasons. Congratulations. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so, realistically, give me your thoughts other than him being a rich man getting paid like the third best first, quarterback in the league. What do you think? First thing, yeah, first things first, I don't appreciate, I'll just put it out there, the graphics that have been going out for the propaganda, if you will, of hey, Dak's getting paid or Dak's guaranteed money is more than Tony Romo's career earnings or whatever the case is that they're doing out there right now. Let's stop all of that. Mm -hmm. We saw already, it's already been evident what the treatment of Tony Romo versus Dak Prescott has been. Right. Let's not get that ever confused or conflated. But people right now on the, in hindsight, now that Dak has been paid, want to, put out these little graphics here and there and try to put some comparison to this. It's a different market right now. We've got a dude dealing with a half a billion dollars out there in Kansas City. So until mm -hmm. your agent is able to broker anything close to that, right. you're not supposed to talk about anybody in the franchise history. That's like me saying, what What about Franco Harris? Franco Harris might have made just as much as me. <laughs> what I do with moving, bro. You hear what I'm saying? He might have had the same earnings that I did. So let's not. Do it that. ain't even let's the same, right? Apples to apples. Um, exactly. Outside of that, I feel like the Cowboys' hands was forced a little. Um, outside of Trevor coming out of the draft, you don't always want to have to chase and um, chase down and try to cultivate a franchise quarterback. And franchise quarterback is clearly with. Um, what Jerry had, and I think that until he was forced to see that with with that injury and how the fans reacted, along with how the organization responded, um, he didn't realize what he had, and he kind of took it for granted. Because in the situations like this, whenever it comes to your draft now in your war room, now I'm in look to build around what I know that we have, the certainty that we have at that position. Prior to, you have this man in lingo, you franchise tagging him, you don't know if he's going to leave or go, you got all of this stuff going on in the press where they're going to always constantly be asking you about him, and you, you know, you're doing uh, the guy a disservice, you're doing your organization and your city a disservice by not making a, um, a decision on it. Right. So, um, when it first went down, you know, I did want to email you guys at cliff at carolinasportstalk.net You know, <laughs> but I just went ahead and hit you on the text message or on a call. And I, at, you know, asked you specifically back when it first, when the news first broke, what, what is this move indicative of whenever it comes to Dallas and Jerry Jones? What, what does it indicate to you? To me, it, it, it completely reflects a lack of planning and a lack of execution on the behalf of Jerry Jones. The only reason they had to give him this much money was because they were back and forth the entire time. Had they pushed a little bit harder and or made a decision? Because honestly, they very well could have gotten a much more effective bang for their buck had they traded him two seasons ago or even at the end of last year. But now you're stuck with someone who is coming off of an injury. It's evident that your team needs someone in that position. And, and rather than, like you mentioned, going into the draft with and building and or 
you know, showing themselves disloyal because even that could have had a greater effect to not pay him or to have let him walk or whatever. And now future quarterbacks are saying, well, if that's what Jerry Jones and the Cowboys are doing, why do I want to go there? Why do I want to play? So it goes back to him and, and not making that decision and not being more decisive at an earlier point. Now, they with, with what they suffered through last year, they have no choice but to have paid him and hope that he can be the player that they expect him to be so they can go, go get their 8-8 eight and eight and hopefully compete in the NFC East. But honestly, it's they, they've overpaid for him, um, and I don't know that they'll be able to see the return on, on, on that investment. So we'll see uh, how it goes and how it moves forward for the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. But again, congratulations, Mr. Prescott, on getting. Hey, and, and Big Cliff. Yes, sir. Big Cliff. I want to say this to DJ Highstar. Good for you, Dallas fans. Okay? <laughs> Good for you. All right? I mean, hey, it, it, plain and simple. Good for you guys. I'm proud. I'm proud for you guys. I'm happy. <laughs> What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> That's what they're giving they you back in return. They need some kind of good news over there. Yeah, 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 you're right. That does definitely counts as the good news for them. And with the announcing or the uh, franchise tag deadline having come and gone, them not having to tag Dak was really a good win for them. Um, another winner probably would have to be Mr. Aaron Jones not receiving the tag from Green Bay. Uh, some might say, oh, well, that means he's not going to get paid. But I don't think he's going to mind striking a long-term deal to be a Packer for life because he's talked about it. And even though his leverage is um, kind of going up as free agency comes, he's going to be able to either make some money with them or have the opportunity to go someplace else. Uh, another winner would be the Buccaneers. Even though they've still got work to do to lock up Shaquille Barrett, um, they're in the long-term talks, and, and it seems like it's a good sign. So, um, we'll see what happens with them and, you know, if they're able to keep Chris Godwin, Levante David, um, Tom Brady, you know, he, he's willing to take a little bit less money to try to help to spread it a lot around. I saw a meme on Facebook that said Tom Brady keeps lowering his salary to get weapons around him. Other quarterbacks take, keep getting these big paydays. And then everybody's wondering, how does Tom Brady keep winning the Super Bowl? Now, let me, before I give you a chance to comment on that high star, I do want to speak to my fans because I realize I often defend Tom Brady on this show. I need to clarify and reiterate, I am not a Tom Brady fan. I do respect him as the greatest quarterback to have ever touched a football, but I'm not a fan. It's just y'all be hating on that man, and you got to give him his props. But um, who do you have any of your um, team players or anybody who you think highlights the, the winners or losers of the tag deadline? No, not necessarily. Again, um, I want to see Shaq definitely get paid down there in Tampa Bay. Okay. Never been a fan of the franchise tag and crippled players and their um, their drive or their will for the season. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't. I didn't have anybody in mind particularly. I am still looking for the big moves from my main squad, the Carolina Panthers, and see what kind of big moves we, you know. Yeah, they start. They reply. Yeah, they're starting off good to have given the tag to Taylor Moten to lock him down on that right side. So no matter what we figure out at the quarterback position, if it's Tommy Two Gloves coming back um, or if it's, you know what I'm saying, Deshaun Watson Deshaun. coming yeah, to exactly. the Carolina coming Panthers, back. whomever it is, exactly, whomever it is, Taylor Moten's going to have their back on that right side locked in. So they're so far so good, and um, we've definitely got a lot to see because we know just that just around the corner is the NFL draft. We are excited for that. Um, and I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen. I'm just excited. Um, glad to have you on the show with me today, bro. Definitely got to get Absolutely, you back man. soon. Shout out to DJ Highstar. Appreciate it, bro. And I appreciate the stress um, Oxford shirt that you're wearing today because it, it really brings out the sports dream. Word, word. Well, as always, folks, you can hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, email line at cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. Make sure you follow us on IG at Carolina Sports Talk, and you can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are available. Make sure you follow my guy at DJ High Star Bars on social media. You got anything you want to holler at the people? Get it right. Get me right. Get me right. Yeah, at High Star Bars. Uh-huh. Um, H-I-G-H-S-E-A-R-B-A-R-S at High Star Bars. 
uh, on Instagram or Twitter. Make sure you follow me. And, um, you know, that's it for right about now. Just look out for major moves for my Carolina Panthers, my New York Knicks, my New York Yankees, my UNC Tar Heels. And we out here, baby. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in to Carolina Sports Talk. We'll see you next week. Peace. Answers, man. You ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers, Sway.